1: a housing group for older people, run by Present Preced- Raise the
2: Roof. We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial.
0: That's right. You're listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR. My name's Fiona and I'm from Housing for the Aged Action Group and this is our fortnightly show about older people and housing issues. Today we have an interview with a member of the LGBTI community who has recently joined our community reference group and is also now on HAG's committee. And he is talking about his experience of being an older gay man, um, living in the world and doing awesome work, and also um, his experience of housing and housing stress, as well as some really very pertinent and hilarious messages for the community and the government. Um, So really great interview and we'll go straight into that now and um, I'll chat to you after it's done. I'm joined in the studio today by Andrew Rogers who has recently joined Housing for the Aged Action Group's Committee of Management. How are you going today, Andrew?
2: I'm well, Fiona. Lovely to be with you this morning.
0: Yeah, back down in COVID um, lockdown land potentially, hopefully not, fingers crossed.
2: Oh, hopefully not. Hopefully not.
0: Yeah, so you recently... Yeah, we'll see, right? So the reason that I asked Andrew to come on today was because um, not only has he recently been elected to our Committee of Management, but he's also a member of our recently formed LGBTI community reference group. That's right, isn't it, Andrew?
2: Yes, it is. Um, It's the reference group for the project associated with the report, Older LGBTI Folk. um, people at Risk of Homelessness, you know, I think it was called, Out of the Closet, Out of Options, wasn't it? Yeah, you that's know,
1: right. Yeah, remember right. That's
0: right. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and um, what attracted you to getting involved in this project?
2: Um, well, I'm in my early 60s now. And I work um, delivering training with BOWS LGBTI Aging and Aged Care, um, where we look at uh, working with aged care service providers on ensuring that they're LGBTI inclusive. Wow! And it seems to me—it seemed to me. So my background is really in the interests of the health and well-being of older LGBTI folk. And for me, housing security is a fundamental cornerstone yeah. of healthy older age. And there are things for older folk who are lesbian or gay or bisexual or trans um, that are different from the mainstream Mm. so being able to work with your or with our I should say Hugs um, advisory group on this uh, helps us helps the organisation understand the difference in the needs of older LGBTI people when it comes to safe housing
0: Yeah, and I guess a lot of the focus we hear, we've just had a recent um, Victorian budget announcement of some funding for LGBTI services and in particular for housing. However, the focus again seems to be on young people, which of course is a really important um, important thing. A lot of people when they are first coming out, they may be rejected by their family and end up um, homeless or in housing, you know, bad housing situations. Wow. So of course, younger people definitely need a focus but i think a lot of the time the needs of older lgbti folk are uh, forgotten about so would you be able to tell us a little bit about your experience as an older gay man and and i guess what the um what what it's what your experience is in in terms of that kind of lack of focus and what's different
2: well i'll tell you my initial reaction to the government's first press release about the 42 million they're giving to the lgbti community which is wonderful oh Preface my remarks by saying it is wonderful that government is doing that. But that press release mentioned youth or young three times. Yeah. And there was no mention of older or aging in the press release. There's nothing specific for older LGBTI people. There's no uh, funding specifically for services and supports for older LGBTI people. And yet, I know from my own experience in talking to They live through a period that many can now consign to history, but is in fact still relevantly impacting on how they approach services now, their feelings of safety and security, mm. and what they actually need. I, I know from talking with older people, many older people who lived, if you like, in Generation Invisible, where they had to hide their lives, they carried that through. And so when they approach services, and that would include um, services who are providing safe housing, they don't necessarily disclose their sexuality or their gender identity for fear of being judged or for getting a lower quality of service. Mm. And so we need need voices like the Consumer Advisory Group to be talking with organisations and to be influenced such as HUD approach the provision of housing that is safe for older LGBTI people
3: Mm, now
2: my own personal experience um, is that I was at one What I get is, you know, it's a mixture of things, if you like, Fiona, the the importance of housing security for everybody and the very definite, distinct characteristics of being older and LGBTI that make approaching services and make looking for things like safe housing a little bit more challenging. It might be for the
0: mainstream. Mm. And so, when you were in um, that housing crisis, were you aware that you were at risk at the time, or, or were you just kind of consumed with with trying to manage your mental health and not really thinking about your housing?
2: Oh, it was a cycle, really. Yeah. You know, I knew um, because long-term mental health condition not working for so long, um, being unemployed. You know, all factored into financial. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the mortgage became absolutely um, oppressive. Yeah. So it factored into one of the anxiety conditions was you know, based on where am I going to live? What's going to happen to me? Yeah. I can remember joking with another friend of mine, a very black joke. You know, we were standing outside... And cross station and he said well i'll take the corner on the northeast and you can have the corner on the southwest mm. you know that, that kind of bantering conversation about we are terrified yeah yeah of what is going to happen here and the notion of going from having owned my own house even with a mortgage to taking what little equity i had left and that being the way i would pay for private rental. Which was the thought of going into the private rental market as an older person who was unemployed was terrifying mm. absolutely terrifying um, because the older rental market is uh, the private rental market is not secure yeah you know, I would have been that classic case of one unemployment check away from a rent increase or a you know, having to change accommodation. I would have been really at risk there, never knowing whether or not I could settle and rebuild my life or whether it would, you know, it would consume me. Am yeah. I going to be safe here? So I think that's, you know, that, that's my experience. Fortunately uh, for me, my brother did something amazing and helped me buy a very small unit well, when I say very small, a small unit that he and I own jointly. So I am now secure. And in the three and a half years since that happened, I've gone from seeing nobody being unwell, unloved, unemployed, uncertain and ill to actively contributing, working again, being involved in consumer groups, mm. all because I had housing security.
1: Amazing.
0: So you really can see the difference that having secure housing has made to your, not just affordability, but actual participation in life and being able to, you know, do stuff again. Look, I think,
2: um, you know, I've said it to you before, Fiona, but I'll say it again for your listeners. Housing security is suicide prevention. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. If if you want to draw a big sort of tabloid headline, housing security is
1: suicide prevention. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And when we re- launched that report last year, Out of the Closet, Out of Options, um, one of the things that we found through surveying over 200 older LGBTI people was that a lot of people had high risk factors for being um, homeless, so things like living alone, living with a disability really high numbers of people living with a disability, um, living with caring responsibilities and um, and also, you know, being able to manage at the moment but potentially not in the future. But there was really low awareness of where to go for help and also low awareness that they were actually at risk. So people didn't self-identify and say, hey, I'm at risk of homelessness. But when we looked at their circumstances... It was clear that they were, um, and and they just didn't kind of recognise that, or they didn't want to think about that. Um, what what is that your experience in, in you know talking to people in the community, your friends and, and acquaintances? Do you think that there's a um, there's an awareness of of housing and and homelessness and services generally, or do you think it's something that people would rather not think about?
2: I think it's the latter. I think mm. it's something. Um It's not maybe perhaps that they don't want to think about It's that in our community, we're not encouraged to think about ageing. You know, in the LGBTI community, there's not a lot of conversation about ageing. You know, we hear tokenistic statements like we stand on the shoulders of people who came before us. And all I can think about that is get off the shoulders and walk beside them. (laughs) Because if you're standing on their shoulders, they're sinking into the quicksand of age care. While you're up there waving your banners, get off it, people. <laughs> you know, we need to be supporting older people. And one of the things about older LGBTI people is many of them have spent lives based on a very quiet and private independence. Mm. I can do this because many older LGBTI people don't have the informal supports that mainstream folks do. Yeah. Because they haven't got the multi-generational biological family necessarily who are often the people who say, hey, mum or dad or grandma or grandpa, we think we might need to get you some help here. Or they're the ones who take them to appointments or they take them shopping or they come in and do a bit of cleaning. But for many older LGBTI people, those people simply don't exist. Yeah. Because they don't have children or grandchildren in the main. So what happens is that they go on being independent until they reach crisis point. Yeah. When if they could have had help and support early on, they could maintain independent, healthy living. And we know, I think, that uh, you know, there's a bit of pride in the community Yeah. about being independent. You know, it survives society
0: kind of thing. That's right. Fiercely independent Um, a lot of older folk are, and I think that's one of the things that's so sad about ageism is that we don't, you kind of have these stereotypes of, you know, doddery old people that don't really participate, but the older people that I know and love are absolutely fiercely independent and they don't seek out help unless they really, really have exhausted their own personal resources, um, yeah, but, and, and that's that's admirable, but it's also, um, it can place people in bad circumstances
2: as well. Well, I think, it, it, you know, they go along believing everything's okay, mm. and then the crisis happens. Yeah. You know, they, they get to a point where they can absolutely no longer manage. And then, you know, the, the notion becomes, well, you go straight from being absolutely independent living to, oh my God, I've got to go into a residential aged care facility mm. when they could have been supported at home. This is why I believe secure housing that's supported with the appropriate services to keep people living in their own homes is absolutely fundamental yeah. to our healthy uh, health and well-being as we age.
1: Absolutely. And
2: in terms of homelessness, you, know, you made the point about don't think of themselves. I think that the phrase at risk of homelessness which I've learned since coming to HUD, is vital for people to understand. It is not about homeless on the street. It is about you being in a... You know, you've got a roof over your head, but you might not be able to afford it or it might not be stable for the longer term. Mm. You might... You know, your landlord might sell up from underneath you. Um, You might get a rent increase you can't afford we need to be educating older LGBTI folk about looking at their risk
1: factors. Yeah.
2: And planning. And that's hopefully what what the consumer advisory group can work this hard on doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're hoping that we will be able to do that. Um, and also, I guess the other thing is knowing if you do find yourself... Ticking some of those at-risk boxes, um, knowing where you can get help as well, um, I think is really important too. When you're delivering your um, professional education to the aged care sector, um, what are the some of the what are some of the things that you say to services to make sure that they are able to respond best to older older folk? Well,
2: one of the first things we say, and I I'm quite delight in saying this, you. That a rainbow sticker on the door and a rainbow flag on reception is like a Hollywood stage set. <laughs> You've got to have substance behind it. If you if you just say, Well, we're inclusive and stick a flag on the door without understanding the history and the experience and how that has contemporary impacts on people's lives, you're not being inclusive. Yeah. And being inclusive is understanding that not everybody has a traditional you know, heteronormative or heterosexual family lifestyle. They might have had no children. They lived on their own all their lives. They might have lost people in the 80s and 90s with the AIDS epidemic, for example. They're understanding that there aren't informal supports, understanding that people have hidden, that they will have still a desire to risk assess your or your organisation, and you might be brilliant at welcoming everybody, but if you can't not convey that message, they've got no basis to trust you. Yeah. And that's one of the important things for services to understand. You've got to work on reducing your barriers to inclusion within the organisation. This isn't looking at LGBTI people and saying, what do we do for them? This is actually looking at your organisation and saying, does what we do create a barrier that prevents folk who are lesbian or gay or bisexual, transgender and or have an intersex variation from approaching us in the first
3: place? Mm.
2: Yeah. You know, that the image is, you know, think of a, the image of a, an organisation building all covered in unicorns and sparkles and rainbows, <laughs> And outside is somebody with a suitcase labelled historical discrimination standing at the door saying, I don't know if I can even trust this. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of thing. What are you doing within your organisation? I hope I'm making sense
0: here. Absolutely. You're making, yeah, really great insight. And I think one of the things um, that there's a bit of a debate about I guess is LGBTI specific services versus kind of making the mainstream more welcoming Um, and as a mainstream organisation we're working towards rainbow tick accreditation at the moment and hopefully we'll have it shortly Um, so that's forced us to look at all of our processes from what happens when someone rings versus all the way through to you know becoming housed Um, and when we were talking to some of the older folk in our reference group we asked them about the best way to get messages out into the community, and a lot of them said, "Don't rely on the kind of, I guess, the queer press, but use the mainstream press and just put that content in that press." You know what I mean? So things are, you know, think- Cole, Coles notice boards and and you know local newspapers and and everything because they they don't necessarily um, kind of want to out themselves by buying. Star observer, or you know what I mean, like whatever that thing is. So that was, I thought, an interesting kind of piece of advice to us as a mainstream provider on how to get I the think message that's out. That's a superb
2: mm. piece of advice. Yeah, really. A number of things you know, come up in what you've just said. Firstly, you can have an LGBTI specific service, but given the way funding is how much attention will be paid to the needs of older people in that. Mm. we circle back here to what we started this conversation with, such a focus on youth. Yep. Such a focus on youth that I'd be concerned that an LGBTI-specific service wouldn't really be paying attention to the needs and um, hopes and the health and well-being of older LGBTI folks. Because The community is ageist in that sense. The funding is ageist. That's number one. Number two, LGBTI-specific services are great in theory. But if you're an older person living in Mildura, for example, Mm. is there going to be enough of a cohort of LGBTI people, let alone older LGBTI people, for there to be an LGBTI-specific service in Mildura? Mm.
3: You
2: know, those sorts of simple things. We have to do this via the mainstream. So we have to be talking to mainstream organisations. And when we're talking to governments, we have to ensure that governments understand that their funding of mainstream housing services must include LGBTI folk and specific mention of older. LGBTI
1: focus. Yeah.
2: Much like the Aged Care Act talks about LGBTI older focus being a special needs group, my view is governments should be saying that in any of their funding, particularly to LGBTI organisations, you must be paying attention to older
0: people as well. Absolutely. And of course, we will always take a partnership approach to this. So we need a bit of both. We need to kind of make sure that mainstream services are better, but also, you know, partner with... um, LGBTI organisations too, which we have done um, with Thorn Harbour Health and and Switchboard, um, and Val's Aging and Age Care, of course. So we'll continue to be doing that as much as we can. Um, is there any, if you are, if there's any older LGBTI folk listening, um, what would be the number one message that you would you would give to them as um, to think about?
2: Well, the first message I would give is to educate yourself about. What is available in the way of supports for older people, from both state and federal government and Mm. local councils? Don't wait to begin the process. Don't wait until you think, you know, or until you reach a crisis point. Start thinking now about how you want to stay at home, and what you might need over time to do that. I'd also ask older LGBTI people to be a little bit more vocal Absolutely. Ab- about specific needs mm. that differentiate them from the needs of LGBTI young people, yep. but also ask the LGBTI community, young or old, to get off the shoulders of their elders, start building multi-generational
3: relationships that can help provide the informal supports that older people need. mm
2: so that we can truly become a multi-generational chosen family.
0: Absolutely, and when you think about all of the wisdom, I mean, people, uh, you know, of your generation and older have. have um survived a pandemic and know how to do it so look around people we've got all of these resources in the community and I think it's really great and we're really lucky to have you Andrew on the on the reference group and on the committee so thanks so much for your time today Um, I'm just going to quickly give out a couple of phone numbers for people that may be interested in getting involved in this work Um, So if you've listened to this and it sounds like something that you want to be a part of, you can give us a call and we can talk about that with you. Um, The HAG office number is 96547389. And if you are facing a housing crisis or you feel like you might be possibly at risk um, in the future, give us um, our home at last service a call and the phone number there is 1300 765 so thanks again, Andrew, for coming in today. It's been really great, and we're looking forward to the coming year um, and building on the work that we've begun and, and really um, really getting it out into the community.
2: Thanks, Fiona. I've really enjoyed the opportunity to have a chat with you Excellent. about all of this. It's so fundamentally important. If I can make one last point Absolutely. for everybody, and particularly for younger LGBTI folk, please don't treat older LGBTI folk as museum pieces. Don't pull them off the shelf tell a story about the past. Have fun with them and then put them away again. Older LGBTI folks still have a lot to contribute. And if we can ensure they're safe and secure in their housing and the services they need, they'll go on contributing.
1: Thank
0: you. Very well said. Thanks again, Andrew.
2: Not a problem, Fiona.
0: See you later.
3: Bye. The Rainbow Door is a free... Culturally safe specialist helpline for all LGBTIQA Victorians. The helpline provides information, support, and referral
0: from experienced peer workers on issues including mental health, family violence, relationships, suicide prevention, and sexual assault. For information, support, and referral, call the Rainbow Door on 1800 729 367. That's 1800 729 367. 10am to 6pm every day. Switchboard is a 3CR supporter. Get ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon and be part of community powered radio. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2021.
2: To donate, call 03-9419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au.
3: 3CR
0: Radiothon. Community-powered radio.
3: and I'm talking to you
2: from a tree seat 40 metres high in the Arenandra Plateau. I'm here with other activists because we want to stop what Big Forest is planning to do, which is to destroy 60 new areas in one of the last refuges of Amben Forest in East Gippsland. We're calling the state government to protect all Amben areas of East Gippsland. If you want to get involved, contact Gecko at gecko.org.au and
0: join the campaign a 3CR supporter. Welcome back. You're listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR 855 AM, and you heard a couple of announcements there, including Radiothon um, is coming up. So, if you are a regular listener or even a first time listener to this show or any other show on the incredible community radio station that is 3CR, please um, consider donating some money. Um, It's all tax deductible if it's over $2, and it helps keep independent community radio on air and some great voices like Andrew, who we heard earlier, um, who has the chance to tell his story on the airwaves and and get the word out. So that's really great for him and for all of us. So chuck some money in if you can. Um, That's pretty much all we have time for today. So... If you're interested in getting involved in any of the things that we've mentioned today, feel free to call HAG and um, we will see how we can assist you. Um, But I'm going to go out with a song now. It's by Alice Skye, who is a local um, local Aboriginal writer, singer-songwriter. And I actually heard her play a couple of weeks ago at the Marlow Pub in East Gippsland, and she was really great um, and it was really awesome to hang out with her afterwards as well. So I'm going to play a song that she's written here and it's called Melbourne. So that's all we have time for and I'll see you next fortnight. See ya.